Abba, Father, thank you so much for all the grace you've shown. Ask for a lot of wisdom right now. Ask for, for our hearts to be broken. My heart to be broken. Much like Cooper spoke of. We can come to the end of ourselves and realize that we were self-generating a lot of things and, and unsure. And the best place to be is that place of humility and brokenness because you give grace to the humble and you withhold grace to the proud. The person that thinks they have all the answers, got it all figured out, they're the very ones you deny grace because they believe that their intelligence is enough that they don't need you, which is a horrific mistake. And the fact is, we don't have all this stuff figured out about life and we desperately need you and we desperately need to find ourselves in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much that you sent your son into this world so that we might live through him. Lord, I love you. Please give grace right now. Please give us insight. Holy Spirit, go to those places in our hearts where there's no language. Where we can't find the words. Put the words together and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So look at this, Romans 16, 21 to 27. Paul's continuing uh, to address some, some greeting issues with key friends that he has, key relationships, and then he ties off the letter with, with high praise, a salutation, kind of a doxology. So the text reads, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsman, Tertius, who writes this letter, Greet you in the Lord, Gaius, host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, greets you. These are some pretty high-end people, by the way. These are people with social status, city treasurer, etc. Those are cues, social cues. And Quartus, the brother. It's an unusual identifier, the brother. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel... And the preaching of Jesus Christ. Let me explain what that means real quick. My gospel. Paul doesn't have his own brand. Okay. It simply means this. It's the, he means the true gospel. There's, a lots, there's lots of ways, Cody, that we pervert the gospel. Some people pervert the gospel of grace. So that it becomes this license of sin. You can do anything you want. Your lifestyle doesn't matter. The gospel is about grace. God still loves you, still has a wonderful plan for your life, and you can lead this completely rebellious life against him, and it's all okay. okay. That's a real perversion of the gospel. The other perversion of the gospel, and some of us, I think, hear about it at times, is that it, we turn grace into law. Because we've been so fortunate to experience grace and forgiveness, we somehow get some things twisted, and we default back to law. And, you know, I, grace got you in, but the law's going to keep you there, right? Grace got me in, but the law keeps me there. And you get this other perversion, this new perversion. And Paul's trying to avoid, avoid those things. And so when he says that God's going to establish you, it's according to the, the, my gospel, which is the right one, the real one that is not perverted by, by licentiousness, nor is it perverted by the law. And the preaching of the gospel, Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, 
which has been kept secret for long ages past. That simply means the gospel has been hidden back until Christ. But now is revealed or manifested and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God has been made known to all the nations leading to the obedience of faith. In other words, people will believe to the only wise God Cooper, he's the only one that's wise. It's not you, brother. It's not me. To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Amen. Amazing language. Okay, let's walk through this just a bit. I really want to focus on on this guy right here. His name is Jason. This guy named Jason. I want to focus on that for just a bit. And, uh, And I think you're going to appreciate what you know, what, what's going on with this fella. So, uh, who is Jason? Where does he come from? Well, if you want to, check this out. Go to Acts 17, and you're going you're gonna to learn about this fella uh, named Jason. Let me pull it up here. So, this is what happens in Acts 17. Now, when they had traveled through Amph- Amphipolis, unusual names, in Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. Now, this is Paul and Silas. Okay, they're doing missions, Cooper. So, where there was a synagogue of the Jews, and according to Paul's custom, he went to them, Paul's Jewish, and for three Sabbaths, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead saying, this Jesus who I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. Now, you've got to appreciate this, okay? We're not Jewish. He's saying he found the Messiah. When you say the Christ, you're saying the anointed one, the Messiah. So Paul is saying, I know the guy. I found him. Here's what the scriptures say about him. And he's arguing with the rabbis and the Jewish leaders about this, okay? Things are getting real intense because Paul is saying he found the Messiah, that poses a problem. Why didn't they find him? You know, how, what's going on? So lots of tension forms, lots of ego kicks in. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas. He converted some Jews. Along with a large number of God-fearing Greeks. Wow. And Thessalonica is a very Greek city. And a number of leading women. But the Jews, becoming jealous, now there's the root issue, jealousy, and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacked. They were attacking the house of Jason. So they go to Jason's house and they're pounding on the door, ordering him to come out. They were seeking to bring them out to the people when they did not find them Now, we're talking, they didn't find Paul and Silas. Where are the troublemakers that came into this city? Who let them in? How did they get here? What's going on? They couldn't find him, and so they dragged Jason out. They dragged Jason out and some other brothers, okay, some of his friends, we can presume, before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have upset the world. How's that for an exaggeration? <laughs> you know, they, they upset the world, have come here also, and Jason has welcomed them. 
and they all act contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. Does that sound familiar? What does it sound like? Does it remind you of something? Don't you know when, remember during the, the scene with Pontius Pilate? The Jewish leaders played the ultimate trump card. They had the trump card. And all they had to do is say, hey, we have no king but Caesar. That is the ultimate trump card. And they played it. And at that point, it was checkmate. And Pilate says, ooh. Okay, I'm washing my hands of this one. I see what you just did. Kill him. It's on you. I washed my hands. They played the, the strategic move and brought in Caesar and king, the emperor, the authority, because there's actually an edict. Crystal, there's an edict that says no one is allowed to announce that there's someone greater than Caesar. You're not allowed to do it. It's against the law. Can't do it. Okay? And you can't prophesy a Caesar's death, by the way. Okay? Uh, which is similar to our, in our country. It's against the law. Brian, help me on this one. You can't talk about assassinating the president. <laughs> right? Okay. That, that's law. Identical to Rome. You can't do that. You can't talk about assassinating him. You can't prophesy his, uh, a premature death. And you can't say that there's someone bigger and better than he is. It's against Roman law. So the, the Jews knew that. They played the very same card. Uh, these scoundrels that were paid to stir up trouble. And uh, verse 8, they stirred up the crowd and the city authorities who heard these things and when they had received a pledge from Jason and the others, they released them. And the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. You see what's going on? Now, what do you think this means? Let me get the pointer up. What do you think this means right here when they received a pledge? What do you think that means? They paid them off. They posted bond. That's what they did. Now remember what I've taught you about Greco-Roman culture and hospitality. Uh, Rachel, you, you lived in an honor-shame world in Central Asia. Central Asia. Okay. And I, I was trying to get the one of the stands. One of the stand stands. Okay. And uh, you know about honor-shame. And you know that a meal is an endorsement when you accept, accept somebody in your tent and you share a meal with them, there's endorsement, right? And in the Greco-Roman world, it's the very same thing. And it's, it's called guilt by association, okay? And if you bring, if, when, when Paul came into the city, and Jason and some of his family and or friends gave Paul hospitality, they now assumed the assets and liabilities of Paul. Guilt by association. And so when Paul does what Paul does, <laughs> he goes to the synagogue and goes right for the juggler. He didn't go out in the marketplace and, and just talk among the Greeks who love to chat philosophy. And, you know, anybody can come up with a new idea among the Greeks. Oh, let's hear it. What's your new philosophy? You know, he didn't do that. He went right to the most sensitive, the most volatile spot in the city, the Jewish synagogue, and started picking and picking, and picking, and picking. And it was so effective that he converted several Jews and some Greeks, that's fascinating, and some of the leading women of the city. And all of a sudden, the Jews got jealous. 
and trouble starts. Well, I, I think it, okay, good point. Um, God-fearing Greeks who would be allowed to be a part of the synagogue but not enter into the most sacred precincts of the synagogue or also some maybe from the marketplace. We're not totally sure how that played out, but yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, and then there's an arrest. They, the, Brian, they arrest Jason and his buddies, take him in front of the, the city magistrates, it is possible that there was a little beating along the way, along the walk, because that's normally what you did. Uh, a few blows by the lectors. Uh, um, they, the lectors have what's called the fasces, the fakis. It's a rod about that long that's really flexible. Anybody see Passion of the Christ? Remember, do you remember the, the Roman soldiers and they had those rods that were really flexible? That's what it is, the fakis. And you could take those and, ooh, it's bad, 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 bad. In fact, there's even a historical document verifying that a man died from that, died from beating, being hit with rods, the fakis, okay? So um, they probably were smacked around a bit. Well, street justice, Brian, before they got him for the judge. And, and then the pledge. Now, here's something that's interesting. This guy, uh, Saucipater, as well as Jason, most likely, Tom, one of their jobs was to collect money among the, the Christian followers there and the people there to help get that money to Jerusalem, to Judea for the famine relief offering, <coughs> okay? That in all likelihood, when you, when you trace out all the details, most likely they were there in part to help Paul with the big famine and relief offering. Guess what that means? They had money. And they were taking up an offering. It is possible that the word got out that Jason had some money. And it's interesting that the, those in authority said, well, the best way to handle the situation is we think we need, Jason needs to postpone. <laughs> so how's that? Potentially a bond process, a pledging process that would actually extort, steal money from the hands of Christians intended to give to the poor in Judea. Ouch. What would, in the Greco-Roman world, <clears throat> what would that bond look like? What would the pledge entail? It means Jason is going on record making a public vow. He will never offer hospitality to Paul again. Paul is not allowed in Thessalonica ever, and he's not allowed in Jason's home ever again. Ouch. Now, it is also possible that that pledge not only uh, was the guarantee that Paul wouldn't cause trouble and disturb the equilibrium, the political, religious equilibrium of the city, but it also means that Jason himself will not cause any trouble in the city, which means Jason's got a choice. I stay and play it safe and be real quiet, or I have to leave. Puts a lot of pressure on him. Either way, the money's gone. He doesn't get it back. Money's gone. It was a big one. That makes sense? Okay, now, now that you get background, let's, let's go back to, uh, to this here then. And we'll, uh, we'll kind of appreciate what Paul is talking about here. So Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you, and so do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater. By the way, Sosipater was in the, the town. They went to Berea. That's where he was. 
That's where he, he was hanging out. So, the difference a friend can make in your life. Now, let's think about it just for a moment. Uh, Cooper, boy, I'm glad you're here. Perfect opportunity to tie this all together with you. It's interesting in my mind. There's lots of ways we can apply this to our daily life, okay? And that's what we're going to move to. How do we live this out? Rachel, you too. You're here as well. Are there times to play it safe and do the safe thing? Is there time to do that? Is there time to back off? You're already grinning, Andrea. Is there time to back off and like avoid some trouble? Or is there time to push in and start some trouble? Which one? Both. Both, thank you. Yes, the answer is yes. Okay, what's that? If they just listened to their wives, Andrew, this, the whole thing would have happened. <laughs> Through Gates of Splendor, if you don't know the book, it's called Through Gates of Splendor. But here's what's amazing about that story, is that what did Elizabeth do with the Alka Indians? Do you remember what she did? Now, they're, they're, her husband's murdered. Okay. What, years later, what does she do? She goes back. Wow. Wow. She goes back. That's amazing to me. But watch this. I mentioned earlier, Paul didn't go to the marketplace and just stay there among the tent makers and the people selling papayas and coconuts and just say, hey, let's talk about some new philosophy, got some new ideas. Have you heard about the one where the, the guy who resurrects from the dead can give you eternal life? Do you hear about that one? He didn't do that, apparently. He goes right for the, for the hot spot, right to the synagogue, and starts telling them that he's figured out who the Messiah is. <coughs> that is really stirring things up. Guess what? In verse 10 of uh, Acts 17, when he goes to Berea, guess where he goes immediately? Straight to a synagogue. <laughs> I mean, Paul is the tip of the spear. He is constantly stirring it up, constantly putting himself in very at-risk situations. Okay? Now watch this about Jason. Think about this. What if Jason acted like Paul? There's an arrest. Paul, by the way, Paul is hiding. Did you know that? He's hiding. He and Silas are hiding behind a basket or something under a blanket. We don't know where they are. But they're not there. They're hiding somewhere. And they, Paul knows there's trouble. Okay, they're hiding. And by the way, they sneak out at night, too, to get to Berea. They sneak out. So even Paul knows how to back it down just a little bit. He throttles it back. Think about it. Jason's arrested, taken before the magistrates, probably smacked around just a little bit with, with, with the rods and in front of the crowd. Wouldn't it be the perfect moment for, for Jason to just <coughs> quiet the crowd down? And give the gospel and just let him have it with both barrels. He's got a huge crowd. This is like the best time to, to repeat that very volatile sermon that Paul has been repeating. And go ahead and throw himself under the wheel of the, of, of the bus and be crushed by it and end up being killed. Wouldn't that have been the hoo-wah thing to do? Right, Brian, you're grinning. Sure, but he didn't. He backed it way on down. There's a time to back down, Cooper. There's a time to slow it down and think things out. God has a bigger plan sometimes than what we're aware of. And that friend made a huge difference in Paul's life. 
Paul was hiding. He snuck out at night once the pledge was paid, and he went right to the next, the neighboring town, and did it again. <laughs> and we don't know if Sosipater bailed him out. We don't know what happened over there. Evidently, it was quieter in Berea, and Paul lived to see another day because Jason was a friend who made a huge difference in his life and lost probably quite a rather large sum of money because that money covered not only Jason but also Jason's friends who were all associated and showing hospitality to Paul. That is quite a guy. Okay, And Paul says to the churches at Rome, and there's several of them there, I want you to make sure that you greet this guy. What a friend, what a difference he made in my life. All right. Now, when Paul ties off the letter to the Romans, he says, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Can I just make a real simple comment? Uh, anytime I, you, we move toward anything, toward self-glory, we, boy, the ice is getting real thin underneath us. God, you know, there's a lot of things we can do. And sometimes God seems to, to be pretty gentle with some of the stuff we do in our lives. But boy, you get on the path of, of, of trying to be your own God and you get prideful. Just telling you, it's pretty dangerous stuff. Okay? And Paul knew that. And so he makes sure that, that, that when you read Paul, you get his heart. And Paul will say, you know what? Here, here, here's my life. Whether I live or die, my body is the Lord's and it's going to be for his glory. I'm going to serve him no matter what I do. It doesn't matter. If I live today or I die today, it doesn't matter. My body is the Lord. I'm just going to, the Lord's, I'm just going to serve him, period. Okay. All right, you're the church. Lots of gifts here this morning. Teaching gifts, mercy gifts, prophecy gifts, discernment, encouragers. How can we lift this and apply it into our lives today? Because this is the living word of God that is sharp like a sword. It's alive. And it can separate not only like the meat from the bones and the marrow from the bones. It can separate the very motives in our hearts. It's the truth that sets free. So counsel. You guys counsel, counsel each other. Why does this matter? How would this apply to us today? and our relationships and the difference a friend can make from Romans 16, 21 to 27. Going back to that story about him and Jason and why they didn't, I guess, cause more trouble for themselves, they have a brand new church and new leadership, and he might have trusted Jason to do that because, you know, if you have a whole bunch of new believers who don't really have any good grounding to have that leadership, it might kind of peter out and fall away or yeah. Warp something really yeah. odd. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you look at in Thessalonians when he sends Timothy back because he's so concerned about them. And he's like, I'm so happy to hear that y'all are taking care of each other. Yeah. And you're doing so well. Yeah. Um, that yeah. might have been part of the plan. And so, you know, when you're going involved in this sort of thing, you think, yeah, I'm going to go all out. But you have to think also about the wider body and how it yeah. needs to be cared for. Yes. You have spoken with such wisdom, Michelle. Yes. Yes, exactly. Someone else. Why does this matter? Because I just have a question. 
Jewish. They're, they're Jew, fellow Jews. Yeah. Not necessarily brothers, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's, that's good. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. You can see a distinction between our idea of peace and then the peace that Jesus brings. Mm-hmm. Our idea of peace is to don't say anything. Right. To stand right. back all the time. Jesus says when he comes to bring peace, it's supposed to be a sword. It's supposed to divide. I think now we're so caught up in, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to ruffle feathers. But ruffling feathers is what brings the gospel. Yes. Ruffling feathers <clears throat> is what brought those Jews to believe. Yeah. And yeah. so you see here, it's a challenge for us to ruffle feathers and not to fear people's responses because it's already been spoken that people are rebellious and they're not going to listen. Yeah, yeah. But it's a challenge for us to not believe the deception of world peace. There is no world peace. Thank you for saying that. Okay. There is no world There's peace. No. <laughs> okay. yeah. The peace that he speaks is the, the peace that Paul had when Jason stepped in and did what he did. Peace among the brethren. Not peace in the world. There's supposed to be conflict yeah. and controversy. Yeah. But as long as we believe the deception of world <coughs> peace and keep our mouths shut, things don't get rocked and people don't repent and people aren't challenged. Yeah, yeah. And so you can clearly see a distinction of the deception of world peace and the peace that God is talking about, that yes. Jesus came to bring. Yes. Brings repentance. Yes. Brings people into the glorious light of yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. So. You nailed it. Um, everybody, real quick, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'll show you something. 1 Thessalonians <laughs> chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And there's this really, really interesting historical comment that Paul makes about that whole incident with Jason. Okay? By the way, when you read 1 Thessalonians, it's, it's a very tender letter. And you can tell Paul has a love for these, the, the people in the church and wants to encourage them. And he writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17, But we, brothers, having been taken away from you for a short while, in person, not in spirit, were all the more eager with great desire to see your face. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. So Paul labels, he puts a label across that whole situation with, with Jason and the pledge in the bond. There's now a legal document stating Paul is not allowed back in the city and he's not allowed hospitality when he comes. And Paul said, that's just Satan hindering my plans. <laughs> that's how Paul saw it. Tip of the spear. Incredible courage, incredible passion. So, someone else, why does this matter? <clears throat> While you're thinking, I don't think Paul needed Jason to take him to Starbucks and, and say, Paul, look, when are you going to grow up? Huh? When are you going to quit 
why do you always stir it up? What's wrong with you? Don't you know that you catch more flies with honey than vinegar? And can't you just kind of throttle it back a bit? You could have stayed in the city a long time and done great things. What, what, you got a chip on your shoulder? Did your mom beat you in checkers or something when you were little? Why, why do you do this? You know. Jason didn't do that. Jason didn't do what Peter did. Paul? What Paul? I don't know Paul. I don't know this man. I swear I don't know who Paul is. You know. He didn't do that either. There's a time when rejection is not the answer. There's a time when correction is not the answer. There's a time when protection is the answer. And that's what Jason did. He protected. By the way, you know what Jason's name means? Anybody? It means to heal. Really? Yeah. It means to heal. And God uses this dude named Jason to help heal a situation that was really dangerous. <laughs> and because Jason chose protection, not correction, and not rejection, Paul lives to see another day and goes straight to a synagogue and do it all again. <laughs> Rachel? Yeah, 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 that's good. And by the way, Rachel, you know, in honor, shame, there's reciprocity, right? So if you endorse me, what do I have to do? He's endorsing Jason. You know why? He's using, he's writing his name, he's having churches write his name. He's including him in this list of great people. So Paul is publicly honoring Jason by saying to the churches in Rome, by the way, Make sure that you say hi and you, and you get your arms around. It's literally what the word Greek, uh, greet means. You get your arms around and you hug Jason. He's very important to me. That's exactly what Jason did to Paul. Jason endorsed Paul. Paul is endorsing Jason. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, all right. Real quick, some questions just to think about. Um, have you guys experienced the new birth? Jesus said, truly I tell you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Got to be born again. Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. <clears throat> Repent and believe the gospel. With that, the basic question, have you been baptized? If you have not been baptized, come on, we need to get that done. The commands are there, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. How about this? Do you guys, are you hearing and obeying the voice of God? You're hiding God's word in your heart. Listen to scripture. John 10, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, they follow me. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. What about this one number four? Question, are you treating people the way you want to be treated? Are you the kind of friend that God can use to make a difference in someone's life? And everything. Treat people the same way you want to be treated. You guys have a clear conscience? Conscience clear? Can you walk outside, hold your head up high? You're not living two lives. 
Is there someone you need to forgive? Boy, that's so important. Bitterness is like emotional cancer. It's like, it's like spiritual cancer. It eats you up. It's bad. One of my dear, dear friends, a lady named Kay, uh, she and I work together at a, at a company. Kay has just been diagnosed with lung cancer. She's got a tumor in both lungs. And she said, hey, Chris, here's what's going on. Please pray. Bitterness is like cancer. It's bad. It's really bad. Forgiveness is all about the grace of God. And then how is the message and the authority of the kingdom of God being advanced through you, through me, through us? Again, we're making disciples of all nations. You are the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. Are you the kind of friend that God can use to make a difference in someone's life? I want to pray for you. Abba Father, thank you so much for the amazing people that are here and their hearts that are really tender. God, I ask you to grow their faith, mature their faith. God, I ask you to use us to be the kind of friend that would make a difference, to not uh, shy back and, and hide, but to own the gospel and own the fact that we are the light of the world. Thank you for the example of Jason. Thank you that he chose to commit to your glory and to protect Paul. Ask for your grace right now. In Jesus' name, amen.